Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you're encouraged and challenged by this week's message. So today, uh, today's talk is great expectations. Hopefully all will become clear as we, as we journey on uh, through God's Word. And it's from John 15, verses 1 to 8. Firstly, imagine if you can, you're going to have to work at this one today. Imagine if you can, it's 2,000 years ago and you're with Jesus near Jerusalem. You've been with him now for about three years and it's a beautiful sunny day. (laughs) Not like outside. It's a beautiful sunny day. You're walking with Jesus and the 11 disciples through a vineyard full of ripe grapes. And as you're chatting, Jesus stops and there's a pause and there's a silence. And then he looks at you, he looks at you right in the eye. Imagine Jesus looking at you right in the eye. You know he's about to say something profound and important. He's done this before. So you wait with great expectation. And then he points to one of the vines and he says to you, see this fruit bearing vine? So he says to you, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's our passage for today, but there's at least three expectations in that passage Number one, God expects us to bear fruit for his glory. Number two, we expect to bear fruit for his glory. And number three, God expects us to have a fruit-bearing prayer life as well. But there's some things we need to do in order for this to happen. Any guesses what that might be? Feel free. We must abide in him and he must abide in us. If Jesus were to ask you the question... Would you like to live in a deeper and more intimate living relationship with me? I'm fairly confident everybody in here would say yes. Um, I suspect that for every true believer, it's really what we long for. It's our our heart's desire. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 said, he counted everything else as worthless so that he could know Christ. And although he had been a believer for some time, when he wrote this, He added that he had not yet obtained his goal, but was pressing on towards it. If Paul still felt the need for a deeper intimacy with Christ after many years as a believer, then that would suggest when it comes to growing in our relationship in Christ, it's irrelevant how long we've been a Christian. We could be a new Christian uh, and young. We could be an older Christian and been a Christian for 50 years. But our growing into a deeper relationship with Christ is an aspiration and a passion that should remain for eternity, really. For Paul says there is no other goal in life that can ever be greater. Today I'd like to share a few thoughts about growing deeper and abiding stronger in our relationship with Christ. 
And out of that deep and abiding relationship, have an expectant prayer life. And out of this, bear much fruit for God's glory. Hence the title, Great Expectations. <laughs> Bearing fruit for God's glory. So in the passage, Jesus uses the analogy of the vine and the branches to illustrate a very important truth. The truth that his followers must abide or remain, abide in him. The idea about growing closer to Christ and living continually in a place of intimate and meaningful fellowship with him. A place where he is the source of our life. Everything flows and grows from that source. Where Jesus by his spirit permeates our whole being. Where we bear much fruit for his glory. A place where he's simply just the life of our life. No matter where we are in Christ, there is still yet a deeper and stronger fruit-bearing place to go, no matter where we are uh, and how deep and strong we think our relationship is, there is yet still a deeper place. Today I'd like to look at three of those aspects, all of which are in verse 7. There we go. Here in verse 7, Jesus cites three things that will enable us to bear much fruit for his glory. Abiding in him, having his words abide in us and having a prayerful relationship with God. But before we look at that, it's worth remembering that to be in Christ is a real place, a real position of honour. Um, it's the greatest honour. There's no higher honour than to be grafted and fused into oneness with Christ. So here's something to think about. Outside of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus doesn't pursue and desire this level of oneness with anything or anyone else. It's you, me, well, not just you and me. <laughs> this church, believers, mankind, you could argue, from John 3, 16. That's his focus. It's in the whole of creation. His focus is on mankind to pursue that level and depth of relationship. So what does Jesus mean when he says, abide in me? The illustration of the vine and the branch is really helpful because it shows us that it's a deep, grafted-in spiritual fusion between us and Jesus. The writer of one commentary says, Jesus has established himself permanently in my soul and continually exerts his life, his love, and his power through my being. And Dr. James Roskup, in his book, which I read a long time ago, Abiding in Christ, states that abiding includes the concept of time and quality. The time factor means it isn't an intermittent, temporary relationship. Jesus is not a quick fix for our problems or uh, like a GP where we just go when we don't feel well. Abiding in Christ is a relationship of commitment, covenant and permanency. We are in it for eternity. The quality factor means that the relationship grows deeper and stronger over the years. The closest example I can come up with is a marriage. And Ephesians 5 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So just as marriage is designed to be an unbreakable, lifelong relationship where both partners grow closer to one another over the years, so it should be with Christ. But it's not automatic. I'm sure we all know that. There's uh, times when we feel closer. There's times when we feel more distant. But the key is to purposefully keep coming to him and to stay committed to our relationship or fellowship with Christ. We don't have to be perfect. 
He doesn't desire that, but we do have to be humble and we do have to be honest. Uh, and that, that means taking our struggles, our burdens, and drawing from Jesus the amazing forgiveness, the cleansing, the wisdom, life, healing, wholeness, and strength. You could go on forever from him. I was once asked in my Bethany days by someone, is Jesus a crutch to you? And, and my answer at that time was, no, he's more like a life support machine. So if you take the crutch away, I won't, you know, just fall over. You take Jesus away, I'll shrivel up and die. Um, it's much more like a life support machine. Looks like verse 7 suggests that to grow deeper and stronger in Christ, his words must abide in us. And by his words, he refers to all that Jesus taught. And all that Jesus taught is recorded in the New Testament. However, in saying that, Luke 24 shows us that the Old Testament is about him too. And beginning, it says in 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All scripture points to Jesus, Old Testament, New Testament, it all points to Jesus. Letting his words abide in us, kind of means being at home with the Bible. And um, the primary way that Christ does reveal himself is through his word. We do have dreams, we do have visions. It's worth remembering that dreams and visions that contradict the Bible are obviously not, not right. We should discern everything against God's word. God's word is an authoritative, powerful, living word on every, every matter. The world gets crazier and crazier, <laughs> drifting further away from God's ways, and um, elements of the church are beginning to follow the world. It's a time where we really do need to know our Bible. We really need to know what God is saying, what the Bible is saying, what truth is saying to us. It's a, it's a worrying time. And um, if we want to grow closer to Jesus, we must spend time with his word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Christ to us through his word and allowing his word to dwell in our minds and in our hearts in an abiding way. We're blessed here. Our church talks, we've got a good pastor who values the word. <laughs> and um, that's really, really good. Um, it, something we shouldn't take for granted, I guess. But there's other ways, quiet times, Memory verses, there's a Bible study that's on on Tuesdays now. Um, I used to run a lot and uh, hear God's words and feel his presence when I run. Now I walk a dog. <laughs> but I still feel his presence and I still hear him speak to me when I walk in my dog. It's the joys of getting older, isn't it? So verse 7 goes on to say that to grow closer to Christ, we should ask and receive from him in prayer. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus says similar things elsewhere. In John 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And in John 16, he says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, until now you have not asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. We must remember that whatever you wish is not a blanket promise to have a million pounds and a happy, <laughs> trouble-free life. There's a sense that from the passages, the passages that Jesus is talking about having our prayers aligned with his kingdom purposes and his will. But even then, when we pray and what we think is his will and his kind of purposes, some of our prayers appear to go unanswered. Many people, some of us here, 
or prayed for the salvation of people who have since passed on, apparently without Christ, or prayed for healing for fellow Christians but didn't see it, or prayed for Christian marriages that have ended in divorce, or prayed for restoration from believers who have gone astray but they haven't come back. How do we wrestle with this problem? I'm afraid I don't have the definitive answer for you, <laughs> but I do have a few thoughts that I can share. Firstly, this is a, pro it's a problem, it's a real problem. It's been around for a very long time. Uh, Habakkuk, one of the Old Testament prophets, said, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? David began Psalm 13 saying, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? And um, Psalm 69 says, the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for God. And then lastly in Psalm 88, it says, I cried to you for help, O Lord. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? These are four examples. Um, we're God's people of faith. We're in good company if we're perplexed sometimes by an answer prayer uh, or God seemingly being distanced. But we need to balance this with the truth and reality that God does answer prayer. And um, Judges 3 says, When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And um, I'll just go on to one from Acts. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. There's, there's endless examples of God answering prayer. I could go on forever. I've one really special moment, I think. Well, I've had more than one. Um, but when I worked in Bethany Christian Trust, I was the manager of the hostel. It was a 28-bed hostel, a direct access unit. Uh, so people came in off the streets. And one evening when I was working there, there was a girl, I'll just, I'll just call her Lisa for the sake of it. She came in and um, I was on the door and she was really upset. She was really heartbroken, distraught, crying, you know, tears, runny nose, you name it. Really, really upset. So it took a while to settle her down, a cup of tea, and um, eventually she said what had happened was she was in her hometown she was walking down the road and her dad was walking towards her, but when her dad saw her, he crossed the road to avoid her. And she was absolutely brokenhearted and devastated. I just felt the conviction of God's spirit on me and said, Lisa, you just need to know there's a God that loves you and there's a God that cares for you. And if you were to ever walk towards him, he would just embrace you in his loving arms. That's all I said. And eventually she settled down, went back to her room. Life went on. Um, I felt a conviction to keep praying for her, to keep praying for her salvation. Uh, so I just remained obedient to God. Sometimes I wondered, <laughs> is it, have I got this right? <laughs> or am I just, you know, am I praying down the wrong line or something? 
And eventually, about six months later, I got a letter. Initially, I thought it was a complaint because it came in a certain way, and I thought, okay, I'll put this, I'll put this to the side for now until I've got uh, a better frame of mind to answer one of these letters. So when I did open it, here behold, it was from Lisa. And she said, I've settled into a new flat in Edinburgh. It's really nice, I'm really happy. And she went on, and at the bottom of the letter she says, and God didn't cross the road when I walked towards him. Oh. Amazing, it's amazing. Prayer is just so powerful. And um, I think just what Mike was saying earlier, we can sometimes feel like giving up. We can sometimes think, are we praying down the right line? But we need to press in and press on and keep going. Um, that's, that's just one of, the, there's many examples in Bethany, but that's just one that was quite special for me. The truth and reality is we're not God. We only see tiny fractions of what God is doing. And it's very likely we may leave this life not knowing why God seemingly remained silent or didn't answer some prayers. I remember when I became a Christian, I came out of a right storm, 28th of April 1991, and uh, I was invited to give my testimony in a church not too far from here. Uh, so I'm giving my testimony, and um, at the end of it, this old lady comes up and shakes my hand, and I think she's, I thought she was going to go, oh, well done, son, that was really good, yeah, well done. Uh, and all she said to me was, don't you think there's anything special about you? You're only here because of the prayers of your mother. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with that. But it remained with me. And what I learned later on, my mum had passed away when I was 22. And uh, I became a Christian when I was about 30. Um, she never saw it. She never saw my salvation, but apparently she was a fervent prayer for my salvation. Um, at all the prayer meetings, at any opportunity, apparently, she would pray uh, for my salvation. And um, the wee woman was right. I was only there because of the prayers of my mum. And, um, yeah, so we must press on. Even if we might not see it in our lifetime, we should still press on. In our passage, Jesus is impressing on us a few things. but not God. We're not all-knowing, we're not eternal, we're not all-powerful and present everywhere. We're not unchanging. We're human beings with very, very limited perspectives on things. But Jesus still wants us to pray and pray from a place of abiding in him, uh, pray from a place of faith and trust in him, and pray with expectation as well. And somehow, even though at times it may not seem like it, God uses our prayers to accomplish his eternal purposes. I've got a wee quote here, which is um, from a Baptist minister uh, way in America, I think. The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. I think that's so true. It's, it just seems tragic that if Christians, we, we didn't pray for something. Um, I'd rather pray for something and feel maybe I'm not getting an answer than, than just not pray at all. The greatest motive for why we should want to be in a deeper and stronger place with Christ and bear much fruit for his glory is because it's his desire. It's Jesus' desire that we grow deeper and stronger and abide in him, that we bear much fruit. He loves us with an infinite and exhaustible love. In Jeremiah, it says, I have loved you 
With an everlasting love, I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I genuinely believe that in these worrying, crazy, difficult days, Jesus is drawing us to a deeper and stronger place in him. I genuinely believe that. I'm not just you saying something uh, to maybe make us feel good. I absolutely genuinely believe it. And if we follow his call to abide in him, have his word abide in us, and live in a life flow of prayer with him, we can and should expect that this will lead us to bearing much fruit for his glory. It's literally a promise in John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Not maybe bear much fruit, but you will bear much fruit. It's a promise that if we we do that, we will bear much fruit. That's really encouraging. Uh, We can fully trust in God. We can fully trust in his promises. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.